You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, because of course it is, because I'm the only bastard who does the interviews on this podcast series. Thanks very much for listening either way. The interview subject that I've got coming up for you is a fellow local Gold Coaster. I thought it was the first, but I checked. It's a second time in almost, I think it's over 550 interviews at this point, that I've had the opportunity to talk to a fellow Gold Coaster. So it's quite special for me personally, I've got to say. The first one was Cody Simpson, and this one is Mick Jeffrey. He's the guitarist in the rather excellent Australian extreme metal outfit, A Virgin's Crown. Now, the reason for the conversation is to talk up the band's new album for 2020. It'll be out sometime in June. Hell will come for us all. Indeed it will. A fellow Gold Coaster, Mick Jeffrey. But mate, has the has the calls been going with the uh, the media contingent, mate? Has, has the album been well received? Do you think it has? Um, yeah, I've had calls from sort of all around the world actually the last sort of two weeks. So uh, mm. a lot of ones from the states and around Europe, and yeah, now sort of just starting to get onto the Aussie ones. And yeah, it's been really cool to kind of hear the response to the album to people who've, who've heard the whole thing finally. And um, yep. I mean, we've, we've released a couple of singles, obviously, and you know, like it's cool seeing the response to those, but. I think the overall album is where we're, we're looking forward to seeing the reactions because there's a fair bit in there that's that's not necessarily represented entirely by the, the couple of singles we've released. So it's been really cool to yeah get some feedback from people and it seems like people are enjoying it. Yeah, it's a really good point you make there because, look, you've, you've no doubt seen the comments on YouTube, particularly under uh, Born in the Gutter. And I've got to say, some of them haven't been kind, and I feel for you guys when this happens. But look, you're a, you're a, you're a you know you're a bloke. You get it. You're an Aussie bloke. It comes with the territory, to sure. say the least. And I don't agree with almost any of the commentators have taken aim at the band for sounding like Die Hard's murder or fit for an autopsy. Because I do think that Xenocide is an extremely hard act to follow. I actually, when in an interview that I conducted with Mark, your old vocalist, I actually said yeah. that I thought it was the extreme metal release to come out of Australia for a generation. It's that good, I thought. Yeah, and it, it's an album that I still listen to, it must be said. So I think when you've got a, a release as strong as Xenocide and you actually have, you know, that's your Altars of Madness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's that's your your um, master of puppets, if you like. You know, it's an album that a lot of the fans enter into the band's pantheon of work through. So, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad you point out that the two singles that are out there aren't necessarily representative of the rest of the album because that's what I heard as well. But I also understand the strategy about releasing two songs that are very immediate. They're just punches to the gut. They sort of, you know, shit, here we are, you know. So, you know, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of the, the fans' reaction too. But I guess that leads into the broader question. Did you feel a lot of pressure to follow up from Xenocide? Uh, I mean, not necessarily pressure. It was just time for us to to do the new record, obviously. And and after touring sort of Xenocide and Tyrant for the last however many years it's been now and touring quite extensively and, uh, yeah, the band had kind of just felt it was time to expand on our ideas and, and themes and lyrics and that kind of stuff with this record, which is what we ended up doing. And, yeah, obviously bringing in a new vocalist into the picture uh, you know, that's a, another good time to try and sort of branch out and try some new things as well rather than just try and reinvent the wheel and, and regurgitate the same sort of ideas and stuff that we'd already done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it felt like we didn't really sort of feel the pressure on this album in, in that sort of sense. It was more just we felt the pressure on ourselves to try and do something fresh for us and, and something that we were excited about and 
and something that just felt natural for us to do. Fair enough. Yeah. Look, I've got to ask about the vocal situation because I could be wrong here, but I think it's your third album in a row with a third different vocalist. And that's, I mean, that's, this is why, mate, I've been in plenty of originals bands. I'm a musician. If you can't tell with the stuff behind me here, mate, but it's tough. It's bloody difficult. And a bloke who's got a vision like you do, mate, it must be difficult to find people who are, and I don't know how else to say this, but willing to follow instructions and enter into, say, a um, benevolent dictatorship with you at the top. Is that how the band, <laughs> does it work best for you guys that way, as I've just surmised? Uh, not necessarily. It's more just people who are all ready to sort of be equally dedicated and committed to the same cause, I guess. And and that cause for us is touring. Um We've essentially always been a touring band and that's kind of where the, the difficulties kind of come in. Like it's, you know, writing music, you know, and, and finding creative inspiration can be hard for some bands, I guess, but mm. that's something that's just kind of always flowed for us. But, um, yeah, just finding that dynamic of, of people who are able to kind of just be willing to tour as much as possible and spend a lot of time away from home and out of your creature comforts and, Mm. All that kind of stuff, um, and that's that's kind of where it gets hard, especially being a band from Australia. It is yes. so expensive financially, and you know it, it's it's a big big commitment to to sort of tour the way we do when you're at a level of of sort of that, I guess that our bands at where we're not sort of making big amounts of money and all that kind of stuff. It's mm. it's still sort of a labour of love, I guess. Yeah, it's a really good point, and I've made this point many times on the podcast. If you're in Europe or if you're in the United States, so I do host a podcast series, by the way, so I feel cool I'll be releasing the audio on that. But Yeah, of look, course. I've made this point so often that for Australian bands, our continental counterparts on both sides of the Atlantic don't necessarily understand how difficult it is and the pressures that are on Australian bands. I was reading um, something that one of the guys in Mortal Sin, remember them? Yeah, big time. So, yep. Yeah, so great band, by the way, on album. But again, they just couldn't keep it together whenever they went overseas. They'd ended up physically fighting, I think, was some of the comments that they were saying. Because yeah. you're so far from home, the financial pressures are so direct. And more often than not, it's put you or that. And I think I can share this. I hope I can share this. I'll go there. I'm sure he'll contact me and tell me to fuck off if I'm wrong. But well, I can't share it. But I used to, I did some stuff with Richie from Super Heist back in the day. Yeah. And I remember. I was talking about quitting my job and basically doing what you're doing. And he said, well, if you do that, you must know. All I've got to show for it is that I live with my parents at the moment and I've got a big credit card debt. Sure, I've toured yeah. and I've done all sorts of really cool stuff, but it is extremely hard for Australian bands to be successful in that regard. And that's why I think what yourselves and Die Art as Murder is doing is uh, so commendable. So ha has there been any, and for, forgive the term if you don't feel that way, but the secret to your success uh, I mean, it's for what I know. Like, I feel like we're still kind of got so far to go with what we want to achieve. But any success we have achieved, I believe, has just come from the hard work we've put in on the road. Mm. You know, obviously, writing music that people enjoy is part of it as well. So, you know, like I feel like we're pretty fortunate that the music we've written has connected with people all around the world, and that's it's definitely opened up opportunities. But you know, it, it's no good writing an album if no one hears it. And mm. the best way for people to hear it is always getting out there and touring and, and just touring again and then following it up with more tours. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens now that we're just about to release an album and virtually have no idea when we can go back on tour to promote the thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a tough one, mate, and I've said this too often on the podcast, but great albums such as yours and the one from My Dying Bride and the like, you know, I mean, heavy metal exists not inside of a vacuum. It, these things need to be given air. They, people need to relate to them on a live front. So, mate, the sooner we can get back out there and see you guys, and I think your tour with Thy Art and Fit for an Autopsy has been rescheduled, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right for the end of the year? Yes, yeah. So it was supposed to be happening sort of starting sort of now, but, mm. um, yeah, it has been rescheduled for December. Uh, all, all the venues are announced and locked in and tickets are on sale and all that kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah, that's something we can look forward to for the end of the year, which is which is good. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Hey, just talking about the vocal front again, because I thought Mark, uh, I don't know him at all, by the way, but it, I had a conversation with him. It was, God, it was three or four years ago, whenever the release came out. Yeah, um, And uh, I, th- I think he's a tremendous vocalist on record, and I, and I sort of hinted at the fact that it must be a very hard act to follow bringing someone like Tyler in. So what does what did what were you looking for in a vocalist to join the band outside of just being able to have their shit together on tour and put in the hard yards in that regard? Does Tyler bring something unique that's all his own? Yeah, for sure. So obviously we were looking for a new vocalist, but before that uh, we were sort of looking for a fill-in touring vocalist when Mark sort of pulled the plug on some tours we had uh, mm. coming up and we had to to find someone to sort of fill in and, and get us through those tours. And that's where we found Tyler. Um, he was singing for a band called The Guild who are based out of Knoxville in Tennessee. Sure. And we'd, we'd heard their stuff and, and really liked the sound of his voice, um, liked the way he was kind of, you know, using a lot of enunciation in, in the way he pronounced words and had a lot of sort of a natural aggression in his vocals as well. Mm. And that's kind of something that we uh, really wanted, um, I guess, you know, previously with other stuff, that there was a lot of kind of, I don't know, more complicated and and guttural, you know, indecipherable kind of vocals, which is, that's cool for like your kind of extreme metal sound and that kind of stuff. But hmm. our, our music's always had a lot more to it than just being brutal and and just flat out, you know. it's It's always had a strong sense of melody and, and a lot of hooks in it musically and, and we wanted to sort of, bring the vocals into that as well so it really mm. complemented the song so for us we were really looking for someone that we thought could could bring a new element of you know uh melody uh some more hooks in the vocals and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. once we started sort of contacting tyler about potentially working on the album with us and and he started sending us some demo ideas and all that kind of stuff the way he was sort of approaching his vocal patterns and lyrics and that kind of stuff was such a mature approach to what we'd been used to in the past and you know it wasn't necessarily about kind of showing off i can do this that and the other it was like this is what the song needs this has got a really strong chorus i'm going to add a strong vocal hook in this chorus things like that which is exactly what we wanted to go for with this album and and give the listeners that repeat value where you want to kind of you know you, you listen to the album and then there'll be something stuck in your head. You want to go back and hear it again rather than just getting to the end of it and going, whoa, that was heavy. Like that was cool. But you know, there wasn't any necessarily parts that just really stuck into your head. And I'm hearing you. That, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of something you, you pick up on from touring for many years. And you just notice certain things that go over really well with the crowd and, and, you know, lyrics that people in the crowd are singing along to every night and, yeah, you cool. kind of want to adapt that into the, the stuff you work on in the future, I guess. Hmm. I've got to ask again, and if I'm laboring the point, tell me. 
But with Mark, was it just the case that he didn't want to tour anymore? And obviously that's what you need because, as I said, already mentioned, that's heavy metal's lifeblood. Was it strictly about the touring side of things? He just couldn't commit to it? Pretty much. Like, we got back from a, a pretty extensive North American tour, uh, which would have been sort of, you know, July, August in 2018. And, you know, the band was on a roll at that point. We just toured around with Black Dahlia Murder, Whitechapel. We'd, we'd been playing huge shows every night and getting really well received. And he just kind of said to us, well, I'm having some time off. And there was no kind of, you know, it didn't, didn't matter what the band wanted to do. And so that kind of put us in a, in a tricky spot where we, you know, we just had to kind of go, all right, well, look, we'll, we'll just kind of have some time off then so you can have your time off and get your shit together or whatever you need to do. And it kind of ended up being about six months and we had some tours booked for sort of early 2019, uh, which he'd sort of committed to. And then, yeah, when it was getting closer to it, he just said, no, nah, I'm not doing them. I don't want to do tours. I just want to, Jesus, I don't want yeah. to be on the road anymore, which, you know, it's a pretty tough position for us to be in. And, um, you know, when you've kind of committed to something and then, and then you change your mind, uh, you know, we're not the sort of people to pull out of, of tours we've, we've booked and we've got people expecting to see us here around yeah. the world or whatever. So yeah, we just get on with it. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, and it's not like we can force anyone to to want to do this, but um, you know, if you want to do it, you you got to kind of be all in. And he just kind of, you know, had some issues going on personally, and hmm. you know, he just didn't want to be doing music and touring and that kind of stuff at all. Um, so yeah, it was time for us to just find someone who did, and and yeah, that's where we found Tyler. With the greatest of respect to Mark, I say this in case he hears this, but. You know, there are, most people would get, probably, if you told them, well, you can you can do all of this stuff what you guys are doing, but in ten years' time, I'm going to come and you're going to have to give me your left arm. Do you still agree to do it? Most people would still say yes. Yeah, because I would. You, yeah. you're living the dream, right? You're in a position where I mean, I can't. I remember the only time I've ever got slightly really down on myself in my life was when I was an original musician playing very different music to you guys, more uh, funk and this sort of stuff. But I was trying to make it an indie stuff, just trying to make it. And I remember thinking, can, is there a Faustian deal I can make to actually guarantee some success? Of course there isn't. But it's yeah. it's interesting to hear that the world opens up. You're given these opportunities. You know for a fact you're with a great label, by the way, that hopefully are giving you a lot of support. You've, got, you've got – you're probably in the top two or three Australian bands internationally in terms of being well-known at this point in time, yet you've still got people who, who sort of get to that, you know, you get the seat, here you go, it's right, here's the throne. I don't want to do it. I can't do it or what have you. And they let other things uh, get in the way and it's it's such a shame, I think. But look, from from the sounds of things with Tyler, mate, you've got somebody that you can stick with for for the foreseeable future and beyond. Is that the way you feel? I mean, of course, you're probably feeling something similar at the moment, but if you, I know it's very early days yet. I don't even think this album is released yet, even though I've had it for a few weeks. But are you talking about what the next steps look like with Tyler? Yeah, for sure. Um, and as we've kind of touched on, yeah, it's, it's a bit uncertain about the touring front. But hmm. yeah, like we've, we've always kind of just been working on, on music. So, you know, even though this album hasn't actually been released yet, you know, there's always stuff getting worked on for future music and all that sort of stuff. And, hmm. um, yeah, the band never really stops, even though, you know, there might be sort of, it might not look like we're doing too much on maybe the social media front at one, you know, given time, but sure. there's always yeah. stuff happening and we're always working. And then, yeah, so there's always something to, to be pushing and, and working towards. But, um, 
yeah, we, we look forward to what we can do with Tyler in the future as well. And, you know, he's he's already just improved as a vocalist so much, even just in the mm. short amount of time we've worked with him. And, and uh, yeah, he's got so much to offer. And, and especially in the live setting, we can't wait to kind of get back out there and, and show people what he can do. So, yeah, it's going to be mm. exciting for us. Another thing too, mate, is about the band is one of the most immediately identifiable, God, I'll get it out, aspects of it is your guitar playing. You know, that, that resonant string bending stuff that you do, mate. So where, where does that come from? Because nobody else is doing that. That's all yours. Yeah, well, uh, Chris, the other guitarist, is the main songwriter of the band. So he kind of has had that sort of style uh, since the band started, um, which mm. is sort of going on 10 years, maybe even just over 10 years now. And um, yeah, he's kind of just always had that his own kind of unique twist on on putting those extra layers and stuff over the top of you know, all the other stuff that's going on in the music, which is what I think has always given a version's crown its own unique kind of feel and sound. And, yeah, I don't even really know exactly, you know, where he kind of got it from, where the inspiration and influence came to, to that. But, you know, I always have just heard that in his in his playing and, and it's always mm. just translated really well to the version's songwriting. Mm. Look, for those uh, listening, I, I, we're on Skype so we can see each other. I can see a giant Metallica poster there behind you. So is that where yeah. it all started for you? For me, it is, yeah, for sure. And I'm sure a lot of people sort of my age, you know, that's where it all kind of kicked off and, um, you know, mm. just all the classic metal stuff. But then, you know, you, you kind of, when you're as sort of passionate about something as I am, you kind of just dive head first into it and you want to know everything and, and find every band you can and, you know, I just used to spend every bit of my spare time just, you know, searching for new music and, and yeah. trying to find the next and the heaviest bands I could and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I still do that today, but um, it's a little easier now with the internet and all that kind of stuff. You can literally just scroll through Spotify or YouTube or whatever and, mm. and just, you know, click on things and listen to them from your own bedroom without having to go to record stores and buy magazines and stay up till 3am to watch Rage and all the stuff I used to have to do. Mate, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm um, 34. You're not far off then. Yeah, I'm th- I'm 40, God, I was about to say 30. I'm 42 unbelievably these days. Jesus Christ, I don't know where the time's gone, but exactly yeah. as you just described, I used to have to do. So Friday nights, I remember waiting up until midnight so I could hear the new shit that was on Rage. You know, sure. being my era was Morbid Angel, Soundgarden, this sort of stuff, you know, totally. Faith No More. And you couldn't, that was the only time, the only chance you actually had to hear new music was when it was played on the ABC because nobody Good else time. would bloody play it. Rage was, look, Rage and Triple J were it. There was a couple, yeah. you know, four Triple Z here, of course, and two SCR in Sydney have always done great work. And I think, what's the one down in Melbourne? Uh, is it three Triple R? I think it is. Yeah. Is yeah. that, yeah, I've always I think done so. Sort of, yeah. yeah, great work with the heavy metal and stuff, but you just didn't have it back in the day so consequently I, I remember you, you get and this is where I think listening habits have changed and why people are going to have to uh, they don't give albums chances these days exactly okay, right so yeah. you know like I remember getting uh, Faith No More's Angel Dust after the real thing came out and remember thinking shit this is a different album or Weezer's Pinkerton compared to the Blue Album two of my favourite albums of all time right there And but they took time but yeah. if, they, if the band's shifted style or strategy that much these days I don't know whether, and they weren't already established. If they weren't established, I don't know whether fans would actually keep up with them. So do you think this, this when I say New World Order, God knows it's been like this for 10 or 15 years or so, so it's not exactly going to go away anytime soon, but do you think it help or hinders a recording artist such as yourself? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, yeah, um, 
people definitely don't invest as much time into an album as maybe what you used to back in, in those days for us. And, you know, like the fact that we had to sort of invest financially into an album probably, you know, played a part in it too. The fact that you'd just gone and spent 20, 30 bucks on an album and you bring it home and you think, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. But because, you, because you've sort of forked out that money, you go, all right, I'm going to just keep giving it a go and until you kind of understand what's going on and you spend time with the lyrics and the artwork and all that kind of stuff. And, and now it's um, just having it at the, you know, the tip of your fingers on your phone and, you know, most people don't probably get physical copies of music anymore and it's just, I guess – a bit more sort of disposable and and people are pretty spoiled for choice and that kind of stuff but in in the same sense it means that it opens up the door to so many bands like us who previously wouldn't have ever been exposed to people in other countries and that kind of stuff it would have only been probably touched on people in australia that we'd Mm. played in front of physically and and uh the fact that we've got exposure around the world now and and people can just you know have access to our music so easily has definitely allowed us to tour so extensively for so many years. And so even though, you know, maybe with the, uh, you know, the recorded music and album sales and that kind of stuff aren't what they used to be, the the fact is that a band like us can tour the world so much more easily now because of this than what we would have been able to back in the day when we may have sold a few more copies of the record. So I know it's a bit of a double-edged sword. It is, but I don't think it's a coincidence from the perspective that we had, and I made this point to Mark when I had a chat to him, um, it's, it honestly, and with the greatest of respect to the bands that came in the generations before you, okay, so when I was when I was a kid, it was Mortal Sin and Allegiance, I don't know whether you've heard of Allegiance, the band from yeah, Perth. Yeah, from Perth, yeah, great band. Yeah, you get it, mate, You so you're right into it too. Um, God, outside of that, I think I noticed a Henry's Anger CD on your um, on your Facebook feed when I was just perusing before, just to try to think of some interesting things to talk about and the like. Totally. There, there are a couple of bands, but mate, there weren't many, and they're certainly, and with the greatest of respect, even to them, they weren't world class like what you guys are. What I'm talking about is able to attract the attention of an international audience. It just didn't happen for them, and and I think what happened is. People like yourself who weren't, who hadn't come through that grind of trying to get a record deal the traditional way, you know, through the nineties or what have you, you weren't scarred by it. When I think a lot of Australian bands were, you know, I know that I know that Richie yeah. and the Super Ice guys had some interesting. Well, I should shouldn't say too much, but I'll say I'm sure they have some interesting stories to talk about their experiences with labels and touring and all the rest of it. But I think the internet and in particular MySpace culture was huge for Australian heavy metal. Because there were people like yourself that would just do it anyway, whether it was successful or otherwise, you'd just do it. But it just happened that it was very high quality. So, of course, you attracted the attention of the international listeners. So, yeah, I, I don't know what it was, mate, but between about 1998 and about, Jesus, when you guys, Thy Art, I can think of probably think of about two or three others that have just escaped, you know, the, I, can, I can see the band, I can't remember the name now, but yeah. came along. There was just this big void if you don't mind me saying you know yeah. is that is that something that not necessarily you might agree with but is that something that you you can look back now and go oh yeah there, we did there wasn't any australian bands for about 15 or 20 odd years there or so that were big on the international stage like yourselves yeah i think um there was like i noticed the first sort of band i remember sort of having a crack overseas was alchemist when when they sort of started touring europe and stuff like that and and mm. I thought that was huge, you know, that a band from Australia was doing a European tour. And then uh, once I sort of started, you know, going to more sort of hardcore and shows like that, and there were a few sort of bands that were 
were starting to sort of do some overseas tours back then, like bands like I Killed the Prom Queen and Shot Point Blank yeah. and stuff like that. And, and they were kind of some of the first bands when I was actually, you know, actively starting to do bands myself that I noticed, all right, well, these bands are really trying to push it internationally. But I think um, Parkway Drive would be responsible for opening the That's door the to, yeah. to, to Australian <laughs> bands touring yeah. at the level they are just because of the success they've had from the hard work they've put in touring for so many years that, mm. you know, they kind of gave Australian metal such a great name and and they opened up just the doors for every future Australian band. And and now, the, like, like when Aversion's Crown first went over to Europe, not that many sort of bands of our kind of style had done it yet. But now I, I, I'm seeing a whole bunch of, you know, like – bands coming through that are doing their international tours and stuff like that even pretty early on in their the band's existence which is awesome and i think it all kind of just stems back to those early bands paving the way and and now people mm. you know overseas especially when you go over there they they just know so much about australian music and yeah. you know people will just pull me up and go oh i've been listening to this band i'm like how the hell have you heard of them like they're you know they've only done a handful of shows and all this and people they're just mm. so tapped into what's going on over here. We don't sort of realise it until we get over there. Yeah, there are some scenesters around, aren't there? There are people that have become quite expert on bands like yourselves that come from Queensland or Brisbane or what have you. I, I used to play in some some uh, you know metalcore bands back in uh, like two thousand eight and nine. Used to play at Rosies. Remember Rosies? Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Did you guys? Did you guys play there a lot? Yeah, not with Aversions. I played there with earlier bands, sort of. Yeah, all through that era. So yeah, I was cool. there quite a bit. We're probably on some of the same bills then, you know. There's so many yeah. bands that you'd sort of go on and you'd, you'd not have an opportunity to say anything to or what have you. I was always a bit older than the other guys as well, but I enjoyed Rosie's actually before it bloody closed and now it's a, what is it these days? It's either a Korean restaurant or it's a jewellery shop or some bullshit, you know. It's, yeah, totally. It's not music, put it that way. No, no, that's, yeah. that's my point about it being bullshit, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I think, you know, to your point, you got Portal, who I think are doing great things, almost yeah. unlistenable, but they're do, doing great things. And Parkway was a band that I could see, but I couldn't name. Just, you know, yeah. I've got two kids you can probably hear in the background, mate, so my yeah, brain gets full right. some days. Um, but I just think we're living in such a great time. It's a, I don't even know whether I'd say it's a renaissance for extreme Australian extreme metal. I think this is the birth of it in a lot of ways. Because to your point, there is a scene here. It might not be a scene where we all go and play at a club like Rosie's or in New York, CBGB's or Lamore or what have you. But it's it's a scene that, if you like, there's inspiration from in that. And, and I think this tour that you guys are on, it almost reads... I mean, you could have to add a few other bands to it, of course. And I know there's yourselves... Uh, thy art, and I know Fit for an Autopsy are from the States and the like, but I feel like as though we could almost get to a point where we have an Australian festival for extreme bands only, you know, play at yeah. River Stage or something like that. Would that be something you'd support? Oh, big time. Like, I think there is so much talent in this country and and uh, it's really cool that, you know, we do have such a diverse, you know, group of heavy bands in Australia now and, uh, and people overseas are just sort of lapping it up and, yeah, mm. I feel like yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a pretty good scene here, and it would be awesome to do sort of a, a really cool, heavy festival for ex- ex- exclusively Aussie bands here. And I think um, sort of probably when Unify first started, it was it was mainly just Aussie stuff, and mm-hmm. and obviously you know like if things grow and and you get the the budget to start bringing bigger bands in from overseas and all that kind of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think as far as like you know doing an exclusively Aussie festival. I think it would work really well is probably like 
you know, like a one-off. But I don't think there'd be enough bands to kind of follow it up a following year with Agreed, strong yeah. bands that are exclusively Aussie. So that's when you need to start expanding and bringing in the international stuff as well. So, mm. yeah, but, um, yeah, it'd be cool to – I mean, we've done a couple of tours overseas that have been like exclusively Aussie bands in Europe, which is really cool. And, you know, like it's 20-odd mm. Australians on a bus going around <laughs> Europe together and, and um, yeah, that's a really cool like thing fun. to do as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, mate. I better leave it to you there. But uh, look, congr- look. First and foremost, congratulations on doing it. Okay. Um, or I should say, the final word is congratulations on doing it. Mini try. You're doing it. So congratulations on just being one of the one in a million. Really, that's that's really how I have to frame it. I mean, right? You know, just down here at Rock City Studios, I don't know how many bands that are applying music similar to yours that are in there, but there's a shitload. And I'm sure they'd love to trade places or what have you, but I'm sure that's the same in Brisbane as it is all the way up the coast up to Cairns. You know, there's all these Queensland bands that do it. So, uh, and, and I meant what I said too about Xenocide. I think it was the uh, the Australian extreme metal album of a generation. So I think I think you guys have got an awesome career to look forward to. Just live long and please continue doing what you're doing. Yeah, we will, man. Thank you so much for the kind words. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep doing it. And yeah, we, we look forward to the future. All right. Well, hopefully I'll see you at a show, mate. Sometime that, that tour hopefully can, does go ahead in November because I'll certainly be there. Legend, yeah. We'll have a beer for sure. For sure, mate. No, that'd be cool. Yeah. All right, brother. No worries. Enjoy awesome, your day. Man, yeah. Same to you, man. <laughs> Thanks for the call. No worries, mate. All right. Talk to you later. See you, man. Thanks. Catch ya. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the Alias Online, and my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was the guitarist from A Virgin's Crown, Mick Jeffrey. Thanks for listening.